When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cordon. Oh, I'm Cordon. All right. I am going to be one. Tyler will be two. Liz will be three. And Johnny will be four. We're going to eight. Get Cordon, get Cordon, get Cordon, get Cordon. <laughs> okay, I'm Cordon. Okay. <sighs> All right. One. Two. Two. Oh, no. wow. <laughs> Johnny? <laughs> Johnny, you are four. I was so focused on getting Cordon that I... <laughs> Was only thinking about my number from yesterday. They bring out these gauntlets and Johnny uh, is like, well, we got we got some extra ones for Johnnet, but uh, we didn't know you was coming with a friend. So, um, hey, uh, Liz and Johnny, what were your characters names again? My name's Squash. Uh, Squash. Wes. Squash and Wes. Hey, Squash, can you uh, lend your Moringo over? I just bought this one. It's my, it's brand new. You best break it. It's not for beginners, isn't it? Uh, you can use mine. I just put some fresh sex wax on it. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> it's what we call it. It is. What- Johnny rolls her eyes. That's the brand. <laughs> That's the I'll brand. lend it to you if you promise to be careful. Don't go too high. And also whisper to it as if it were a friend. I'm your friend. It's me. Grace. Uh, I'll take care of it, Squash. No worries. All right. Be careful. They spend a couple minutes, like, getting you and Grace strapped in to these devices. Uh, They are lighter than you thought they would be. You know, they look a little bulky, and especially when they spread out, they're huge. But, like, you know, this is a really interesting and intricately, like, pieced together wooden object. With a flick of your hands, like, you can deploy these giant sails that that come out and they, they look a little bit like you've got the tip of of a bird's wing like like the the first quarter of the of bird's wing like off of your arm off of your forearm it, they feel like a lot stronger than you would expect too but like they can easily spring back and spring out and Johnny is like buzzing with excitement, basically hopping from foot to foot, almost like she's dancing to music that isn't there yet. And she turns back. Hey, Hawano, can you give us something slow, like very slow, but not that kind of slow? I think like Hawano had like started a tune and then she like gives him that glare, like not that kind of slow. And like he changes up the the speed a little bit and she goes, okay, since you know how to flick it out and put it back, that's pretty much all you need. If you get in trouble, remember, just flick it back. You put your hands up like this coming back because you're in danger. That means you will fall. But it's better to fall when you're close to the ground than to fall when you've drifted too far above the ground. You got me? What? But what if I'm falling? Do I wait until I'm close to the ground before I flick out again? If you feel like you're getting out of control, do not wait. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Why wait? (laughs) No time like the present. 
<laughs> it's okay to be nervous. This is not a usual thing. Okay. Grace, how you feeling? Grace is like, uh, I, I, I think I got it. Um, just, uh, as soon as we feel bad, just throw our hands back and, and that's that. And talk um, to it like a friend. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta talk to it like a friend. <laughs> With that, like, the music coming from Hawano's, like, banjo kind of wind through the air with the sort of molasses, languish feeling of, like, a snake moving on a hot day. It twangs through the air and winds around you. Now, you're going to be safest if you move into the music because that's how the wind's blowing. And Johnny starts you and Grace in like kind of this rolling sway of a dance together. Um, And the other cool teens sort of like join in as well. Those who stand out really distinguished are Squash and Wes as they have blended the kind of traditional Ungoni dancing with their, uh, you know, city dancing that they learned before their mom and dad got back together and moved them to the floating city. Ungon Wii, available only on Disney Plus. (laughs) Or no, (laughs) Campaign Plus. With this slow drifting dance, you can tell that you, Grace, and Johnny are truly dancing together. While the other cool teens around you, like some of them are dancing individually, some of them are dancing in pairs or other groups, like there is this private sort of dance where even though you don't know the steps the way the music moves around you like shows you a bit of what those steps are supposed to be and it's very instinctual and then there comes a light twang on one of the other strings of it and that is a lifting twang and with that other cool teens jump high and some of them even flick out uh, their Moringos but for your group Johnny goes okay we're gonna jump but you don't deploy yet we're just learning right now it hops into another twang and you jump together moving into like this almost like braiding interweaving dance what where's Jonnet at how's how's he feeling in this I think because Jonnet already has kind of like a little bit of like an internal rhythm to begin with that's kind of like one of his centering things and so I feel like in the moments in which like he's feeling the most at home in this it's like when he's found the one within uh Hawano's playing and like is able to like find the slow molassesy beat and so then I feel like there are moments when whether it's real or just kind of perceived when the twangs happen and like the jumps happen like there are moments where John it feels like his hang time in the air is a little bit more than than what he was expecting and then when he kind of like hits back on the ground like his the momentum kind of like moves him in ways that feel very intuitive, but not necessarily his initial thought. And it almost kind of feels like his eye is a little bit open, but it's not, but there's kind of like this predictive feeling to the next thing that he will do, like his next movement. And Grace, too, like you can feel like the longer the song winds on and the closer together these bright pops that denote when you are supposed to jump, like move into the music, like she is disappearing and and flowing into this dance as well. Johnny is a natural. Johnny has been dancing like this for goodness knows how long. And Even if there are missteps, even if there are flutters or bits of uncertainty, Johnny is quick to rush in, especially because, like Jonnet mentioned, he's got this internal rhythm. Grace maybe is struggling with it a little bit more. And where it feels like Grace might be pulling back from the rhythm, that is when Johnny steps in and shows the dance and moves with Grace until Grace is whipped up in the music as well and her hair 
hair flows like a liquid fire smoothing through the air in the dance with the two of you. And it gets to the point where there is another pop and Johnny goes, now it's time. And you all flick your sails open in your jump. It catches the wind a little bit and you three swirl around together. And there's a moment, Jonnet, especially where you feel like you know what it would take to have the wind just carry you away. When you're confronted with that feeling, what do you do with it? I think maybe there's a moment where there there is this this kind of trifold like moment where everybody's kind of floating and like there's a slow cascade down and maybe there's everyone is kind of like smiling and a little bit of like oh my god we're we're doing this and and Johnny is is yeah, maybe we see like Johnny's face kind of like very excited but it's like I'm I told you right this is great and then mm-hmm. maybe Johnny's expression becomes a little bit more perplexed as she kind of looks off and we see that we maybe zoom out to like a wide of the three of them and we see mm-hmm. that while everyone is falling to the ground, Jonnet is falling at a much slower rate. And so the three of them, the two of them, Grace and Johnny, kind of like touch back down to the ground and then have a moment where they're just kind of watching Jonnet kind of have different physics for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Grace, uh, uh, Grace is like, kind of watching like still very in the music and in the moment like there's wonder johnny has like a spark of fear in her eyes and she calls out you gotta flick it back you're going up too high and we cut back to the procession we have reached a point where it is time now to present the treasures being exchanged and it starts with uh, the Bandit Queen. The Bandit Queen first gestures to Oromar, who reaches into his coat and pulls from it the heart of the Bandit Queen. He holds it up to the crowd, and you can see uh, the members of the Tempest Armada in the crowd, like, applauding and shouting, like the members of the Uhuru going, Uhuru, Uhuru. And he moves over to place that in the center of the table. And then the bandit queen like holds up her hands and moves them forward as Leotoa and the rest of the captain's council in the bandit queen's crew, like step forward, bringing forth many large chests, rolling out barrels and bringing forward several casks. The chests are open in turn, and we see that there are several chests that have inside them about four and a half thousand gold bars. These are the bars that I have described previously on the show where they're about the length and thickness of a human thumb. Mixed into those gold bars are like other gold coins or like gold minted objects. But there there are chests of about four and a half thousand of them. Then come out chests that have about four thousand silver bars in them. You know this because for each chest, Bathroom Barry is stepping forward and doing the math, like counting across the rows in each chest and, and judging by height, like calling out how much there is in each one, certifying the amounts that have been provided and claimed by the Tempest Armada. Since Bathroom Barry is already magic, can he just do them like faster than any <laughs> anyone could have ever thought? Like it's just like kind of savant like... <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, of course. The, I mean, he's a near perfect quartermaster. I feel like he, he can, sees it and he knows. He can like run his hands across the top and like <laughs> yes. get the count. Yes. You know, like okay, like that's how many. Got beautiful mind. Like, <laughs> oh yes, I see it. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I do love that. It is he runs his hands across. He's like, oh yes, I can feel the value in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are so lucky to have him. So. Truly. You'd be lost without him, <laughs> we don't truly. Deserve. There is a chest then of assorted gems that is placed down. There is a large barrel 
that is intricately decorated and carved, placed down with a liquid sloshing inside. There are 10 casks that are brought forth and opened up, and everyone who is present and around can feel the overwhelming aroma of powerful spices drift through the air. And finally, there are three pearls that are placed on a delicate blanket. Each pearl is about the size of a fist. The crowd has met each treasure with its own applause, and Leotoa steps forward. These treasures are totaling in 7,000 gold bars worth of value. And this is the down payment of our offering as struck with the accord of the helm's person of the Uhuru. There is some crew in the crowd uh, on the Uhuru side that's like talking back and forth being like, what the fuck do they mean down payment? Because <laughs> uh, Gable, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you told anybody about the deal that you struck? I assume. I assume I would have. <laughs> well, like the people whose business that would have been would have been probably Travis and the captain. Uh-huh. Um, because like Travis was the quartermaster at the time and then there's the captain. So you made that deal back in Bougenith. Then you went through the adventure in, uh, what's it? Nordia. Nordia. So would you have remembered to pass it on? And I will leave that entirely in your down, hands. Like we got a down payment of like a thousand or two thousand in Bougenith. So this is the down payment. Again, what, what uh, Leotoa had asked you was like, can we pay you just part of this up front? Because we're going to be putting everything towards building the ships. Okay. I think I would have told the captain because it is pertinent to his interests, but- there's no real Okay, cool. Yeah. No, we 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 can have that. So the captain is not surprised by this. And I don't think Spit is surprised by this. But like some of the crew is like, I thought we were getting fifteen thousand gold bars or something. This is a lot of feather weave that we're letting go of. So like there there is some murmuring, but the captain of the Uhuru stands up and moves over to Leotoa and presents a hand uh, to shake. The two shake on that, uh, affirming that the captain has backed this agreement. And the captain sort of like eyeing the crew a little bit does this like sweep across the table, pulling up the heart of the bandit queen and holding them up uh, in a gesture of, this is the fucking treasure. Everything else doesn't matter. And like puts it down. That does silence most of the crew. But like, Gable, you can feel that there are some hard eyes in that crowd. Not just directed at you, but directed at the captain as well. And this pulls back to the Uhuru to present their treasure. And coming up, like, there is, you know, the captain's council, but there's also the captain's council of the Mazinga as well. So it, this is like Nodos and Wendell and Wasp and Guy Fieri or Fella Ferretti. No, we kept Fella Ferretti. Well, yeah, no, but but he's like the cook. Okay. So he is like the next step down from the captain's council mm-hmm. is that and then supporting ships in your armada. Yeah, sure. They come out in this procession bringing forward more yards of feather weave than people have ever seen in their lives not connected to a sail. It is like a procession that goes on and on. And like the uh, Tempest Armada, like the cheers start rolling in the crowd. Like as it goes longer and longer, like there there is wild celebration. And then it almost hits a moment where the procession of Featherweave has gone on too long. <laughs> like the crowd runs out of steam before Featherweave stops coming out. They're like, this can't possibly be... <laughs> it like there's too much there's like this one is... guy in the back where it's like no no 
<laughs> no, that's too no, much what? weave. Are you oh, are you fucking shit me, dog? <laughs> <laughs> when I um, was a he kid, he just passes out. We... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we uh, we went to the circus once. This is a quick story. I promise. Also, I'm, uh, anti-circus, but I was a child. Yeah. And there, there, there were these two people sitting behind us. Every single thing anyone or anything did, they were just like, oh, my God. As if they've <laughs> never seen anyone perform. There was like people juggling. They were like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> like, for like the 90 minutes or two hours or whatever. They were just like losing their minds. And I was like, hey, like, it's just a fucking elephant lady. <laughs> A horse? (laughs) (laughs) Inside? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, like, there is this large procession of weave, and people are hooting and hollering. They're popping open drinks. They're tossing hats into the air. This is incredible. And it comes to a moment where Sifa opens up a box and hands to Leotoa a small patch of feather weave, which Leotoa hooks through with a chain and brings over to the furnace and tosses that above. Well, it's not a small patch. It's like a ribbon of feather weave, um, probably about three feet long, um, and brings that over that chained feather weave over to the furnace and tosses it on top of the furnace. And in moments, that feather weave glows a brilliant crimson and just shoots up into the air, held back to only by the chain and the strength of Leotoa's arms. As, you know, we can see the bright crimson dances in the air for a few moments before it fades to stripes and then slowly moves back to white as it descends towards the earth that is demonstrating a cut of authentic feather weave taken from one of the ships of the Tempest Armada. And then Oromar moves over in front of the crowd and holds a hand out. And Leotoa moves over to Oromar and presents a pair of gold scissors that is shaped like a crane. Oromar delicately takes those scissors and moves over to the stripes of the Uhuru feather weave captured from the civility and cuts off a ribbon of his own, poking a hole into it. And with this, Leotoa takes this strip of feather weave and chains through it as well and moves over to the furnace to toss it on top in accordance with the ceremony. This feather weave lights up as well, and it also sails into the air. But instead of cheers, instead of joy, there is silence, followed by confusion and murmuring and anger, as we can see in the air against the dark sky of the night over Ungoni, the strip of feather weave taken from the civility does not glow crimson red, but brilliant gold. Leotoa, who is near now, is on the other side of this furnace, like near enough to Gable, looks over and goes, this isn't weave. What did you bring us? Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. 
Heroes, we are thrilled to be back this week, and we're going to get things started off with a radvertisement. This one is coming to us from the Clever Corvids and Project Blue Jay. Project Blue Jay is the code name for the Magpie's next Blades in the Dark actual play podcast, in a new setting and a new time period inspired by the Roaring Twenties. You might recognize the Clever Corvids from their stellar Blades in the Dark actual play, The Magpies. They're an all-women cast that for the past four seasons have brought you an incredible and extremely queer tale of criminals in the Victorian-inspired city of Duskvall. However, their fourth season is going to be their final one. But they're not stopping things there. The production team at Clever Corvids is committed to social justice and equity, and they hope to use their new projects and platforms to tell stories of fighting oppression and to promote marginalized creators. The Kickstarter for this latest project launches April 6th and offers rewards like Blades in the Dark homebrew content, artwork, and even a chance to create NPCs for the new show. Folks, believe me when I say that The Magpies is an incredibly special project run by some really wonderful people. I am so excited to see what they have around the bend for Project Blue Jay. You can find it by searching Kickstarter for Project Blue Jay or by clicking the link in our show notes. A huge thank you to the Clever Corvids team for sponsoring the show this week. Heroes, there are just three days left in the application period for our audition process to find a performer to play Captain Oromar Vale. If you're interested, there's still a chance to put in your application. Just head to bit.ly slash Audition. That's bit.ly slash O-R-I-M-A-R Audition. There you'll be able to see a character breakdown, a little bit of what we're looking for in a performer, what we have to offer as a network, and some images of Oromar himself. Once you're ready, you can send a headshot, resume, audio or video reel, please just character reels, no commercial reels, or a recorded audio sample of you reading a monologue to auditions at oneshotpodcast.com. Finally, a huge thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. Without you, we would not be able to make this show. Some of the cool stuff that your Patreon dollars paid for this week. Arnie did a last minute new arrangement of the new music that you heard in this episode. And of course, that was at the order of Casey Tony, our master soundscaper. We're fortunate enough to be able to work with such talented people because you give us the resources that we need to hire them. If you like what you're hearing, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast to sign up to become a supporter. Not only does it help us make the show, but it offers you cool rewards. Coming up later this month, y'all are in store for such a special treat. We've got some Skyjacks bonus content headed your way that I already teased a little bit a long time ago, but it is finally ready and I am so excited to share it with you. If you're not enrolled at the $5 level or more, now is the time to jump on board because when it comes in, you're going to want to hear it. That's all I'm going to say for now. A huge thank you to everyone who backs us already, and everyone who's going to back us in the future. Finally, before we get to the show, and on a possibly related note to that very cool bonus content, Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 2 is coming soon. Be sure that you sign up for our mailing list to get any previews of what we have to offer from that Kickstarter. All you have to do is go to bit.ly slash skyjackscrew, enter your email, and sign up. And with all that out of the way... Let's get back in the sky. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We open joining Jonnet once again in the air, watching the ground beneath him slowly drift farther away. Jonnet, what's up with you? What you feeling? What you seeing? Uh, I think Jonnet is still kind of, he's having a good day. So this moment is like, he's like, he's slowly coming down where it's like, I don't like, 
emotionally he's coming into the realization where it's like, I feel like I'm going higher, but also he's like, he's in a little bit of like an ignorant bliss. Um, mm. He's he's made some friends. He's He's doing a new cool thing. My question, because Johnny did just say, you're yeah, not basically to that, that you high. have to. Yeah, you're you're not supposed yeah. like she's like telling you to to do the thing that you told you earlier to like snap your hands back so that you can drop down because gotcha. you know the higher you get if you don't get down like the wind can take you away and whatnot. Yeah, I think so. He hears that and it's one of those delayed reactions where he hears her. Oh, Johnny! Hey. Ah, yeah, I'm going up. And then what? Oh, oh. And so whatever, you know, falling damage that may uh, accrue from an extra like five to 10 seconds of like realization. But then after that, he does kind of like, oh, oh, crap. And he sort of holds it back to then drop back down. Tyler, with your permission, I would like, because we, we described that as like around five, 10 seconds, I would like you to like throw one of your hands up to do that to like disengage uh, the Marengo, but then like kind of look down and realize just how high up you are now and uh. how it might be a little bit of a bad idea to drop both of them. Um, and dropping one okay. is going to like destabilize you so you go into a bit of a spin. I would like an athletics check from you to like try or, you know, it doesn't even need to be athletics check. How would you like to respond to this situation? Like to try and restabilize yourself or get yourself down safely? Um, No, I dig that. I I was already I was trying to think I was going to ask like, oh, are these gliders? Are they independent of each other? Because I was like, oh, what would happen if I only did one? So this is super dope. <laughs> um, I'm down with an athletics Athletics jerk. What would I be rolling against? Because I feel like the move would then um, be to disengage one and then probably like grab and like try and like find a new center of gravity over the second one so oh, that whatever kind of spiraling can do can be as controlled as possible. Okay. If you're just trying to control uh what what what's going on, I am gonna make that an average difficulty but with a black die because this is your first time using this device yes. really oh ooh, ooh. okay ooh. cool ooh. uh that's gonna be three successes <laughs> oh shoot yeah uh janet janet's good at it <laughs> so janet like disengages one and goes into a spin and like catches a draft and starts going into a spin. The crowd beneath you, there is a collective gasp. Tyler, you sounded like you got some. Well, I feel like just in that, there's probably that that initial first shock of something's wrong, the jettisoning like uh, the first glider and then the balancing of like, whoa, whoa, where we are, where are we? And then I feel like like he can get a hang of it in such a way where it's like the spin that normally would take you if you just had one is probably f- kind of tight and and close spiraling. Whereas Jonnet kind of like, he gets the feel for it. He gets a feel for the wind. The wind is serendipitously like pretty consistent and he gets it so it's like he takes like a long, wide arc and a, like a big spinning around like the roof, uh, kind of like Assassin's Creed when you get to a checkpoint and like you get the wide like spinning shot of the area around you and he just gets to take in Ngoni in like a fun way. Yeah, I like I, I think you, you go into that wide spin and like for whatever reason, there are probably like buildings around this rooftop too. So like at first, like you sort of catch yourself out of this spin. Like there's that moment of, of fear or whatnot. And then you're really kind of starting to apprehend how this device works. And if you're just controlling one, the sort of stuff that you can do and you start riding that spin and there are some like feather light foot touches that you do against other rooftops as you are nearing this other rooftop. Um, and maybe, you know, that is three successes. I think uh, Jonnet like eventually hits the point where he can have a little bit of fun with it. He'll like, you know, redeploy his other one to like catch the spin 
and slide and whatnot. And he basically manages to spiral himself down to this rooftop effortlessly and kind of like inventing tricks and stunts for this to do along the way. I think a thing Jonnet doesn't even notice is that his eye flits open a little bit for this. And the wind is almost visible in a way. And the pathway of the wind like matches the melody of the song that is playing. And Jonnet's got his own internal rhythm to match. It's just like, if we were animating this, you know, we would be able to see like the lines of the universe and the swirling patterns and textures of the wind with every footfall and movement of Jonnet's arms. And he like comes down, touches really gracefully and uh, might even do a backflip. Well, I feel like <laughs> in that, I think he 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 comes down, he touches down, and then he like lands like at this point, like he can time it, so he's got it mapped out. So like he lands next to Grace, and then like he lands, retracts the gliders, and then has like a big inhale, and then he like doubles over like he's gonna throw up, and then uh, Grace like oh oh oh, and then he looks up at Grace and gives her a <laughs> finger gun. Is like gotcha. <laughs> Ah, yes. <laughs> um, oh, God. You know, like if you have ever been in a circle of people like doing capoeira or breakdancing of any kind, when someone pulls off a particularly slick move, there is that collective, oh, from the crowd and everybody rushes in to congratulate you right after. We have one of those moments for sure as everyone on the rooftop has like... You can't, you basically can't even hear words. There's so much like congratulations and whatnot from all sides. People like touching you on the shoulder, pushing you around a little bit. And like with that, the, the wind kind of fades a little bit. And as the wind fades, uh, we see uh, this banjo player, uh, this old man who had been playing music while everybody else was kind of freaking out um, around you as you were getting taken up by the wind. This dude was still like steadily playing his song uh, in a rock solid way. And like as you come down, that song like sort of, you know, uh, glides to a natural halt. He stands up. And there is something solid and unignorable about him. Like, as uh, although this is like kind of a bright, happy moment where you're still riding some of the emotions of that dance earlier, like he is a very solid and real thing. And he makes eye contact with you and he like sticks out his hand and gives you a come here gesture. And we can see as he does that uh, on his knuckles, he has two hex tattoos indicating that he is one of the tree keepers uh, of here, one of the Uhi, the cultural leaders of this place. But with two hexes, he's probably not a very high-ranking leader, which is interesting because, again, this dude looks like he's in his 70s. Can Jonnet, can I roll, uh, my perception isn't, I don't know if this would be perception or a arcane check, but out of game, it feels like Mm -hmm. his playing has some kind of influence on the wind. In game, should John can Jonnet roll to deduce that? Yeah, I think Arcane is a great roll for that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then, what's the, what am I rolling against? Um, I am going to say for that information specifically, let's give you a blue die because your eye was open, but we will make it hard. Cool. Uh, ooh, no. <laughs> Dang. Uh, one threat. One threat. What could be? Oh, I'm sorry. One failure. One failure. Okay. Okay. So that that means you just have a wrong idea. Um, I think you deduce that, yes, that this dude was absolutely somehow controlling the wind through his music. Oh, so he he does. He does figure that. Okay. Jonna kind of like, I mean, he's he's having a good day. Jonna like full on skips up to the guy Um, and (laughs) is like, (laughs) and he kind of like does like, uh, a gesture, he kind of just twirls his finger to like the general air and is like, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, thanks for that. That was uh 
it was really that was really cool what you did up there uh for like the first time <laughs> and then he and then he like very kind of like casual cocky kind of like sticks his hand out johnny kessler I think like this guy looks at you, his expression isn't cold, but it's not necessarily warm either. He's given you a look that is just very evaluating, like he's measuring every part of you uh, and, and your behavior. He looks like like if you can picture like the smartest teacher that you ever had, you know, you, through through any of your schooling experience, not the nicest teacher, not your favorite teacher and not a mean teacher that you didn't like, but like the smartest one that you can imagine. Like he's got a bit of that look in him and there is something about him. He is someone that is worn you know, you, a lot of the people that you see around here, like everybody in Ungoni, or not everybody in Ungoni, but a lot of the people in Ungoni have dark skin. And so, like, they've got dark skin, but also, like, they are on a flying platform above a desert. So, when we say dark skin here, it's like dark skin, but also, it's not dark skin for people who are spending a lot of time inside. Like, there's sun touched, like, there's a little bit of rosiness. People got sunburns and whatnot. This dude has weathered looking skin. Uh, he looks. He might be the same age as some of the old folks that you've seen around here, but he looks a lot older because he's clearly been living harder. He's got like so many wrinkles and like I say leathery, but like when people talk about leathery skin, I think they picture something unhealthy. It's not unhealthy. It's like a brilliant like, I don't know, when you look at a really good well-maintained leather jacket that has like been around for decades it's like yeah this is this is something loved but it's worn and then he speaks with a a deep and gravelly voice that despite having that gravel is still smooth and rolling he goes and he sticks out his hand to meet yours hawano you thanking me you just like the tune uh it was it was nice. It was. It had a had a good beat, and uh, I think it uh, it lifted me up. <laughs> that was the win, young one. Well, uh, I mean, uh, uh, who's to say? You know, uh, I, I had I had the wind underneath me, and and you were underneath the wind, and it all uh, it was great for a first time. Can you believe that was my first time? There it is. There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you were thinking. No, I wasn't underneath the wind. I was moving alongside the wind, and so were you. Oh, like, uh, kind of everything was kind of just dancing together. He nods. I will say I can't believe that was your first time. You're right. That's pretty impressive. Well, uh, and then he kind of looks at the the gauntlets and like, I gotta, I gotta... would there be like a brand like well we know sex wax is a thing Um, (laughs) sex wax brand (laughs) i gotta get me some of this wax (laughs) well okay okay a a famous skateboarding brand is billabong and those are trees so because we got sita trees like we could just call these like sita gliders gliders. and yeah that's well, you know, uh, I guess I got to get me some Cita Cita gauntlets. These are really cool. Do you do you fly? Do you do you glide at all? No, I just dance. But I like watching the kids do it because they're learning important lessons while they do it. Oh, I mean, uh, outside of you know keeping time and you know avoiding. <laughs> blunt objects what what do you learn when you when they're flying uh so like while you are having this conversation kind of the other kids gather around and some of them like take seats kind of in a circle that you would do at a summer camp or, or middle school on the ground while the teacher is talking to you and johnny kind of like takes a seat and says Oh, he's being modest. He taught us everything that we needed to know to learn how to fly. And 
Hiwano takes a moment to like get down onto the ground and sit in the circle with everyone else. And he's old and it shows in his movement sitting down. Like he takes a minute uh, because his knees aren't so good to like slowly lower himself into a comfortable seated position. He goes, I told you that the wind taught you how to move with it and you picked it up with those gliders. No one's teaching you how to fly. Now, the things that I'm teaching these kids that maybe I can teach you is that it's okay to move slow. Everybody here in Ungoni cares about the tornado calling. And a lot of the folks in the tornado calling, they move fast. And they're strong, and they worked hard to move fast. But you don't need to be fast to move with the wind. All you need to do is let it move you and move alongside it. And as he does that, he like plays a single note that kind of bends along with the wind. You feel that note pulsing with the breeze. Um, and he's still giving you this like kind of piercing, evaluating look. And he catches your eyes with his, makes like very firm eye contact. And then he slowly draws his gaze up to your forehead and looks back into your eyes. Yes. He nods. How much learning have you put into picking things up on the first try? Um, I guess I've been learning to keep myself open. And he points to his forehead and taking uh, inspiration wherever it comes. He nods again. You got the air as someone who who's already been doing a lot of stuff and from what I can see pushing himself pretty hard and he like gestures uh, you must have a scar somewhere it might not be a big scar but Jonnet has done a lot of shit like yeah. if you would like to describe a scar that Jonnet has it might be one that's not permanent but like I feel like the first one that comes to mind was the one that kind of I think it's it's somewhere on his head from the the bird race when mm. he had his like his goggles and he like ripped them off and the the bad you know, like the, the oh, crappy yeah. metal like kind of like got him so i don't know if i did place it but like we can just place it kind of like right above the the right eyebrow and it's just like it's not necessarily like super showy but it kind of like arcs around like the curve of your forehead back towards the hairline a little bit yeah, and these are these are scars that he's getting while he's 15. So yeah. there's a chance that some of them he's just going to grow out of. Yeah. Um but like he gestures and like I think there's something about that you like you sort of have a experience where you realize that you're in your body, which is not something that like you think about all the time. And there's just this moment where you take stock and like you feel the scar on your forehead, maybe maybe feel another healing injury that you got on an arm or something. And there's just this flash, like this connected sense memory is like you take stock of those things of the wild stuff physically and metaphysically that you've been through. You fought the Mariner, not just in person, but like on a wild spiritual plane. You've been fighting red feather soldiers. You've been through storms doing so much. And all of this time while you've been doing those things, you have been pushing yourself so hard to the point where you fainted multiple times just from the effort of like doing magic or trying to get other people to safety. I think in that in that realization and like taking that in, Janet has a moment where he notices how tight every single muscle is in his body. And in that, he like makes the conscious effort to like take a big breath in. And then he has he takes what feels like the longest exhale that he has ever taken in his 15 years of living. And like he like just he can feel everything just kind of settle back into his body and his self. And like from the outside, it looks like 
a person like muscles just forgot where like he looks kind of like limp a little bit but he's just taking a first uh, like a breath of relaxation and so like he takes that and then he kind of like notices that he's clearly leaning to the side and his shoulders drooping and he's like and he kind of like tightens like you know pulls himself back up to his full height he gestures to johnny and goes uh johnny why don't you show us what it's like to go slow and with that, he like starts playing again a slow winding tune that matches with the wind. And Johnny just sort of gets up and starts feeling that music. And she's moving slowly and fluidly. And he's like, moving slow, you do everything and you feel everything. And that lets you learn how to do everything in a way that your body can do it. Uh, and like the slow winding kind of sits with everything for a moment and then he speeds up a little bit on his instrument and moving fast has its own merits it's not a bad thing it can be really good and really beautiful and Johnny speeds up and she speeds up dancing the way only like an energetic teenager can dance like you know you go and you keep going and you go higher and higher and harder and harder and it is undeniably a beautiful and wonderful thing and then Hiwano stills the instrument and uh, she comes to a stop and he goes Johnny why don't you why don't you show Jonnet what it means when you go too fast? And with that, she bends down and rolls up part of her kind of loose and flowy. Like they're not, it's not a dress. It's not pants. It's like somewhere in between, but you can see that she's got a scar on her leg from where it had broken previously. Mm. So going slow, helps you figure things out so that when you need to go fast, you can. But if you try to go fast all at once, something gives. When you were drifting up, the wind was taking you away because you were running to meet it. But the wind's always going to be there. So you got to learn, or someone's got to teach you, how to go slow first. And as he says that... Shooting up into the air next to the building is a chain with a brilliant crimson piece of feather weave attached to it. And we will cut over to a little bit in the future from that moment where the crowd is grumbling. There is a very high bit of tension in the air. Leotoa and Gable are right near each other, both kind of stunned. Sifa is doing her best to keep her expression even, not giving into any emotion in particular. Oromar is doing this even better because uh, all he has to do is not control his face. But he very quickly and kind of subtly does a sign to the crowd and it is directed specifically at you Travis it's just Matago hmm Oromar turns again he is trying to keep his expression even but he gives you an expression that's like if somebody's gonna do something it's gotta be you and it's gotta be now uh well this <laughs> I'm just as surprised as you. We return once again to the audition table in front of the Skyship Uhuru and the long line of applicants waiting to be reviewed by the Captain's Council. Um, we, I don't think, actually see anyone come off the line uh, when people call for next. 
No, I, I imagine that there's just a next and then a long, long of everyone kind of looking around uh, and then a tiny grappling hook <laughs> um, latches on. Ow, my nose. <laughs> <laughs> latches on to Jonathan's nose. Ah, ah. And, uh, I, oh, I got it. I got it. Get it out. Get it out. I got it. Wow. Can you can you roll me up? Roll, roll me up a little further. Oh, keep going. Uh, yeah. Where, where's that coming pulls. from? Keep going down here. Down here. Ah! Hello, I'm Papio Girth. <laughs> oh hi. Oh. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Look at you. Well, this is fun. Yes, it is. I'm fence. Oh, I'm already concerned about what this does to the cannon. <laughs> right. The cannon's right over there. It's secure. It is. Is uh uh Girth. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. Uh I have to I have to ask right Please. out of the gate, uh why would you fasten four safety pins with a, a string of yarn and 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 gra- and hook me in the nose? Uh, it wasn't intentional. I, it really wasn't. I, I what I meant to do is I meant to catch the table, but I, I caught your nose instead. Uh it was a little sorry. Sorry, that's well, then I have to say you have one heck of an yeah, thank you. Thank you. his own strength. And he like flexes and they're huge. He's got huge guns. Hello. Wow. Look at him. Ooh. He's so strong. He's so strong. <laughs> they should call him Papio Girth. Is that not I, I think what it's No, it, it's Girth with an F. I oh, heard it very girth. distinctly. Oh. Interesting. I've been okay. saying it wrong my whole life. <laughs> call you Papio but you, but you had it correct on your resume. <laughs> it was filled out by my many children. Oh, you've oh, got kids. Are they smaller than you? Uh, well, some are. Some aren't. Uh, it's more of, I have a, a ton of sons and I have one daughter. Uh, oh. And oh. there's there's some of them that are about my size, but there are some that are, that are wee, you know. Was your daughter made by an evil wizard? Sure, why not? <laughs> are you always and, trying to run away from the evil wizard's cat? Absolutely. Cats are, cats are dicks. Uh-huh. Mm. And uh, this evil wizard's always trying to eat you? I question mark. We are delicious. Maybe. Oh well you you come in a little mushroom already, so there's already some Well yeah, and we do I we assume, do cook I assume those you live in a mushroom beforehand. So we only lived in, are there, in cooked mushrooms. Are there real mushrooms that are red with little white oh, spots? Oh absolutely. There are, and huh. uh, let me tell you, you can use them to do some interesting things. Yeah, uh, I believe it's the the argyle the agile fly is uh, the one that we're talking about. It makes you oh. it makes you real high. <laughs> oh, look! Well, he knows about the psychedelic mushrooms. He's so cute. Yeah, uh, my okay, my son well, uh, Psyche. He uh, psychedelic. <laughs> he uh, he he does that. Yep. <laughs> Psyche girl. Psyche girl. Psyche girl. Oh, psych girth. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Pappy, I, I gotta ask: um, Is this your? Would this be your first time on a skyship? Was there ever a time where? Are you coming to us from a different ship? Uh, you seem to be. You seem dense and in charge. Uh, how'd you get that way? Well, uh, we tried making our own ships, but those didn't really fly. Lost a lot of children that way. Uh, but oh. uh, we do fly hummingbirds. All sons. Uh, a lot of sons. A lot of sons dead. There's only oh. one. Only one daughter. Only one daughter makes it more valuable. <laughs> we do fly hummingbirds, but I figured, I figured, well, since the evil wizard has captured most of my children, uh, it's about time that I got out there and, and found some friends to go on an epic journey to save them. Oh, okay. Oh, good little journey to save his little size. <laughs> I mean, they're about my size, so they're like adults. It's um, little. <laughs> it's a little condescending, but uh, so go a little condescending. A, a widow condescending. A widow condescending. <laughs> Look, it's an interview. I'm trying my best to be on my best behavior, but I, I. Okay. Any other questions? Well, None okay. that aren't inappropriate. I, uh... <laughs> All right. <laughs> when you go when you go to a restaurant, do you order 
uh, tiny little itty bitty portions or do you order the regular size portion and then cut a little piece off and then save the rest and bring it home? Well, usually when we buy, let, let's say we bought like, I don't know, like a steak. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of us together will buy that steak and then it will feed us for about a month. With the J.D. Lightfellow mm. Ranch. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I I have to know you've, you've got, you've had some, you've had some losses on the ships You've had some losses due to the wizard. How many of your sons and one daughter are still free and alive? How, how many two separate people, things. How many people are you? Sometimes it'd be like that, though. Um, um, uh, okay, well then, how many How many of your sons are you trying to rescue well, right now? And are they in one place, or are they scattered throughout a lot of different, like, locales and like bases and things like well to be an truly epic journey i figure it's got to be more than one place uh are you pursuing the hero's journey uh with my daughter in the last place oh yep yeah are you going to meet the goddess Ooh, so cute (laughs) look if you're gonna joseph campbell me right now I'm just saying, the hero with many faces and never thought the face was going to be so cute. Okay, okay, okay. Let's maybe he had so many faces because they were all so tiny, so you could fit more in right, one. Let's spot, calm down. You know? Let's calm down for a second here. Okay, okay. So to answer your question, of the ones that are still alive and free, just me. Those that are still alive, I'd say maybe six or seven, and then my daughter is still alive. Uh, so, you know, we're running out of, of girths here. Okay, so so what we're looking at is an eight-act structure, or there are some that are in the same location. Probably towards the end. Probably towards the end, there's like two or three in a single location. Or depending on how many characters you want to introduce early on, they could be the second or third location. That's really true. That's true. And if they're going to join me on my quest, other than you find people who I want to join me on this quest to do this adventure. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I mean, well, we got to decide if we want to be part of uh, uh, this hero's journey. You know, uh, we we are a pirate ship. We do share each other's burdens. Uh, You know, uh, no matter how big or small. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I've come to the wrong place. Maybe this is not the right place for me. I'm just shopping around right now. I don't want to commit to anything. So uh, I thank you all for your time. You have my application. Oh, wow. Uh, you can send your reply by Hummingbird. But uh, thank you. It's been it's been real. Um, and I f- he takes the, the grappling hook and, like, latches it onto uh, Gable's shirt um, <laughs> and, and uh, repels the, his way off the table. And you hear a... Well, you know, some of the smallest peppers are often the spiciest. <laughs> that seems <laughs> good. Oh, perfect. <laughs> lights, lights. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. In the universe of Starwall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. 
You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Star Wall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y. Or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs>